Antifa goes after a Rebel News reporter today. I'll show you the footage of that and how you at home kept her safe. It's January 30th, 2023. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed, and you're watching The Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. Oh, Antifa's at it again. The governor of Georgia declared their little caliphate hobo squat slash training camp in the woods off limits to them a little over a week ago, and he's since declared a state of emergency. He's activated a thousand National Guard troops to respond to anti-police violence in Atlanta at the hands of Antifa. Now, Governor Kemp, of whom I've had many criticisms, is at least dealing with Antifa like the domestic terror group they really are. But so many states, progressive states, are taking a hands-off approach to this black-clad mob as it marches through their cities. In cities across the United States, Antifa is responding with violence to the police-involved killing of a man named Tyree Nichols. Six police officers were relieved of their duties for their involvement in his death, and five have since been charged with murder. Tyree Nichols is a black man, but five officers charged in his murder are also black men, but that hasn't stopped the mainstream media and the radical left, but I repeat myself, from labeling this as an act of internalized racism. That even these black officers are guilty of white supremacy. So it's apparently still white society's fault that five black officers are accused of killing another black man. The courts will hopefully sort these things out, as courts are intended to do, but Antifa doesn't need a court. They're using this act of white supremacy, so they say, committed by black men against another black man as an excuse to riot in cities across North America. Take a look at what's happening in New York City after dark. Now, as you know, Rebel News' Katie Davis Court works in the Pacific Northwest. That's a hotbed for Antifa, I think because of the progressive policies of the big cities there, but also because, well, frankly, the living's easy and the weather's okay. So if you're sort of a radical leftist who is sort of quasi-homeless by choice because you've checked out of society, Portland and Seattle, they're probably exactly the right place for you. And, you know, drugs are also pretty readily available around those parts, too. Now, I want to show you two clips of the work Katie has been doing out on the streets after dark in Seattle to document how much control Antifa seems to have on the streets of the Pacific Northwest. Here. Guys, Katie Davis Court reporting for Rebel News, downtown Seattle, where Antifa militants are marching following the fatal police beating of Tyree Nichols in Memphis, Tennessee. Take a look. Get out the street. 
Y'all go protest that shit on the sidewalk. I don't care. It's stupid. Get out the street. People got places to go. Y'all in the way. That shit don't solve nothing. Fuck out the way, y'all weirdos. Like, come on, like this is weird. Get out the street. Y'all can do it. Y'all can do it peacefully on the sidewalk. Black block just marching on the streets of Seattle. It's frankly pretty regular. Nobody seems to bat an eye. Take a look. But Black Bloc and Antifa, they know Katie. They know her because of her previous good work documenting Antifa and their carnage and lawlessness. Here's some of her prior work.
These people hate Katie so much, they previously swarmed her and robbed her when she was trying to work a few weeks ago. They surrounded her, covered their actions using their umbrellas, and then stole her cell phone and all of her footage. By the way, if you know who did that to her, you can collect the bounty at standwithkatie.com. But friends, Things were different this time, and it's because of you and your generous crowd-funded donations to Journalist Defense Fund. Katie, as you know, was on the radar of these domestic terrorists. They've previously robbed her. Who knows what they would do next? But Katie has the commitment to make sure that you have the other side of the story that the mainstream media won't report or are frankly just too scared to report. But Katie's not scared. I want to show you this video taken by another independent journalist who is, don't worry, friends with Katie. And I want to show you how great her security detail was. We wanted her to have the best possible security. Look at this. Oh my gosh, you're back again. <laughs> oh man, you got tired of harassing Katie, huh? here and appreciate how brave Katie is. She knows Antifa hates her guts. She's been robbed by them, and yet she won't be intimidated by them. And thanks to you at home, we were able to give her that security that kept her safe. And I don't think I'm talking out of turn when I tell you that in our morning staff meeting today, Katie said that she felt the safest she's ever felt at work. I'm proud of that, that Rebel News looks after our employees as best we can when they're out in the field. But I think you at home should be proud of that too, because we as a company can't support Katie without you. You see that incredible professional security was paid for through your crowdfunded donations to journalistdefensefund.com. That's the fund we use to keep Katie safe. And we keep Drea safe and all of us safe when we need a security guard when we're out in the field. So thank you for caring about our journalists the same way we do here at Rebel News. Now, I want to show you that not just because of the security that she had, but because of the security, Katie was able to talk to Antifa and give us a sneak peek inside the Antifa mind. Look at this. I was raised conservative. I was raised hateful like you guys. And then when I came out into the world, I realized that that's not the way to live. I mean, I can't assume shit about you guys, but I have family members who were hateful, just hated their lives because they just did not understand what life really was and what the world really Sorry, was. Sorry, this you person is way too fabulous. So you have an option to Work actually, it. To actually give a shit about other people. You have one life and you decide to live as people who watch Fox News, who have this tiny world, who 
don't understand just how beautiful this life can be. I know. Why don't you like Fox News? Huh? Why don't you like Fox News? Oh, because they put my friends at risk. They try to kill my friends. I was raised watching Fox News every day, and I was like, oh my god, like, I can't believe how small-minded these people are. I can't believe how hateful and uneducated these people are. You have a choice. You have a choice to change your lives. Would you like to know what I did before 2020? I guess not. Isn't that funny? The person who's marching on the streets, who hates cops, hates cops that they don't even know, and who supports a violent terrorist movement like Antifa, thinks that other people are unhappy and hate their lives. Conservatives at home, minding their own business, they hate their lives, not the people rioting in the streets. Fascinating. But as I said, that conversation was only enabled through the security detail that Katie had standing right beside her. Again, to support Katie and all of our journalists, including me, as we put ourselves at risk sometimes to report the things the mainstream media doesn't want you to see or are too scared to cover, please consider making a donation at that website I mentioned, journalistdefensefund.com. You can see how effective it was in that video today. After the break, Katie Daviscourt joins us to talk about her adventures on the streets of Seattle. Stay with us. You know, you've got to be brave to be able to just go out onto the streets when Antifa's watching, but it is a next level of bravery when you are already well-known to Antifa on their radar and have been the victim of Antifa violence at least once already. But that's never stopped Katie Davis-Court from just doing her job, uh, fulfilling her Rebel News commitment to tell the other side of the story. And really, there's no other side of the story when Antifa's marching through your city. So joining me now is that very brave journalist, Katie Davis-Court, who has been covering Antifa for years but particularly this weekend as they, I guess, marched in solidarity with Antifa across the country. Katie, thanks for joining us. Tell us what's going on in Seattle. As though, you know, that's a heck of a loaded question. <laughs> like, right, yeah. Seattle's awful. <laughs> but tell us what's yeah. going on right now in Seattle. <laughs> right. So right now, um, the Memphis Police Department in Tennessee released a horrifying video on Friday of a police-involved fatal beating of someone that they pulled over during a traffic stop. Now, I'm someone that does support the police. I am very pro-public safety. I've seen what the defund the police movement has done to Seattle, Portland, the Pacific Northwest. This video was absolutely indefensible, and it was a murder. That's the only way that you can paint it. All the officers have actually been charged with murder and uh we're gonna see where the trial takes us but from his name was tyree nichols and he was a 29 year old black male and so he died at the hands of police and over the weekend cities were in an uprising over or across the entire country and in seattle antifa militants marched in solidarity with tyree nichols now we have seen you know black lives matter come out and do protests in seattle but that is not even what happened here in seattle it was antifa agitators dressed in all black block uh trying to hijack peaceful movements as they normally do because they are op are 
opportunists and will take advantage of any opportunity given to them. So they marched in solidarity over the weekend in Seattle. And of course, um, I'm very well known to them. I've been targeted, physically attacked, but they are the modern day brown shirts and uh, the political militia of the Democrat Party that they refuse to uh, denounce. And so it's extremely important to shine a light on Antifa until something is done about their violent behavior towards, you know, innocent people, especially press like myself, just trying to share the other side of the story. So of course, you know, they target press and luckily Rebel News got me amazing security. It's the first time I've ever felt so safe in Seattle, but from footage that we can show, they're swarming me the whole time. I have about four badass security guards uh, fending, fending them off. So that's what was going on in Seattle. And there's going to be more marches um, in the future. And yeah. Yeah, it's amazing how Antifa just jumps on every opportunity to riot. <laughs> that's what they yes. do. And and uh, I'm sure they, they don't care about Tyree Nichols. They don't care about his untimely death. They don't seem to, they seem to think that this is internalized white supremacy. Five of the officers charged are black. Mm -hmm. Tyree Nichols is black. A sixth officer today was relieved of his duties. He happens to be white, but you know, for the Democrats, the Antifa, which is the Democrat street team, and the mainstream media, this is all just internalized white supremacy. Um, and for that, I don't know. How, okay, first of all, I don't know how you make the jump to internalize white supremacy, but I don't know how <laughs> it goes from there to let's burn down a completely unrelated city. But I think that's what we're on the cusp of. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's exactly what happened with George Floyd is they, you know, they will target the Seattle police officers who had absolutely nothing to do with this crime. And that is why actually Seattle police didn't even show up to the march. Usually they would trail with uh, their CRG team on bikes that they didn't show up because when they do show up, Antifa is looking for a fight and they want to attack the police officers. And they and so now they will only come in if a crime has been committed. And so they're basically waiting for Antifa to commit crimes so they can go in and start making arrests. But they actually stayed back. And it's really frightening when they do that to reporters on the ground because you're just in the middle of you have no idea what's going to happen to you. And yeah, they take full advantage and Black Lives Matter can't, they have, you know, um, they're not even out there because it's a black on black crime that was committed. And so you have these white Antifa militants dressing up in all black blog, shielding their faces and terrorizing the community. Yeah, let's talk about this a little bit, because the police, as you point out, don't show up to these things because they are they are going to be the targets of Antifa. And if they, you know, the police are armed, but if they start fighting back, then now we've got dead Antifa, we've got more riots, and it's it's will spark a catastrophe across the country, I think. So the yeah. police just don't go, which, okay, I get it, but at the same time, it's your job to go. And so it leaves people like you to have to contract your security out uh, mm-hmm. to make sure that you're safe. When police are, that's their job is to police the streets and make sure it's safe for law-abiding people to walk the streets, do their jobs. But that's not the case in Seattle. Basically, it's whatever Antifa wants that night. The police have to respond to make sure that they don't upset Antifa. Is that what I'm getting here? Yeah, um, pretty much. They, because they know that they are, we have local media here that is not on 
the side of the truth. They are on the side of the Antifa aggressors. And I've seen it firsthand. You know, I've combated the fake news here with the articles that they put out against our police. And our local news will say, uh, we'll only show clips of police responding to the violence and say, uh, the police have violently assaulted these Antifa terrorists instead of the Antifa targeting them first. And so that's why it's important for Rebel News to be out there going, sharing the full clips. Oh, look, Antifa actually attacked them first and they're responding, making arrests. And so, yeah, they know that they are going to be um, all across the headlines. Seattle police violently assaults peaceful protesters. And, you know, um, this was just Seattle, but it happened across the entire country. And I think um, the two cities that were actually hit the worst, Memphis was very peaceful, Except for at the end, of, there was a few um, agitators going behind looting, but the police were attacked in New York City and Los Angeles, the two biggest, you know, uh, highest populations in our country. And so that is exactly right. People will take every opportunity to attack police that have absolutely nothing. And, you know, Seattle, we were the model uh, police reform <laughs> department the progress we are the most progressive police department in the entire country and it's still not enough for these ag agitators they will not stop until they get full police abolition and now it's just concerned citizens reaping in the effects of what the antifa and the black lives matter defund the police movement has done and it's completely destroyed our city you know what would effectively be the difference though from now to police abolition in Seattle or Portland because the police are not responding to Antifa anyway. So I guess they got their way. The police force is, for all intents and purposes, at least when dealing with Antifa, abolished. It's funny how you pointed out that things were pretty peaceful in Memphis and uh, pretty peaceful in Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. Um, because Governor Kemp, I know I've been critical of him from time to time, but um he is treating them like the domestic terrorists that they are. He yep. basically said, your, your little caliphate training camp hobo squat in the woods, that's illegal. Get out of there. He called, he declared a state of emergency and he's called in a thousand National Guard, which is yep. what they should have done in New York. It's what they should have done in LA. And it's probably what they're going to need to do in Seattle and Portland if they ever want to re regain control of their own cities. It's funny the yeah. conservatives governors get this, right? Yeah, you're exactly right, you know, and Governor Kemp, actually, they were all charged with domestic terrorism charges, and where uh, they marched in Seattle this, this on Friday was where they overthrew the Seattle Police East Precinct in the 2020 riots and made the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. And so you're right when you say the police don't respond, but it's also because they have been so significantly defunded that the officers have fled the department in droves. We, if anything were to violently break out, even a fraction of what happened here in 2020, there would be no officers to even respond because they have to respond to other life-threatening crimes that are being that are being committed when these violent riots break out. So yeah, Governor Inslee would need to call in the National Guard. But when he called in the National Guard in 2020, he made sure that they were unarmed. So he had to so he disarmed our National Guard and made them stand with just, you know, the batons on the front lines of violence. But then you see the Governor Kemp, they were all bringing in tanks like, yep, you're not going to be burning down our city. It's just the Pacific Northwest is ground zero for this Antifa progressive, radical, far left extremists. And 
they are effective because any conservative that even tries to hold a remotely, you know, um, we want to support the police rally, they get violently attacked. And Governor Inslee has never spoken out against Antifa. Mayor of Seattle has never spoken out against Antifa. Our old mayor said that the riots were a summer of love. And so, yeah, we are still we are still in ground zero, but it's also, we have to report on it because we have legislators that want to uh, put legislation through to label them a domestic terrorist group. And I am not going to stop until something like that happens. It's, uh, I'm concerned that... While I'm like, yep, you go, Governor Kemp. Um, My concern is that it will force those Antifa to places that are more progressive. So you'll get a bigger population of these Democrat street teams in places like Portland and Seattle, because Mm -hmm. they Portland and Seattle, they have the three things that these Democrat street teams love. Progressive anti-police policies. uh, Nice weather. (laughs) <laughs> because it's easy to be it's easy to be quasi a uh, quasi homeless dirtbag um by choice in nice yep. weather and uh easy access to drugs and drug policy and so yeah. these the dregs of society end up flocking there and the decent people end up being overwhelmed by them but you were not overwhelmed by them one of the most heartening things i saw over the weekend was well first of all how brave you were because you have been robbed by these guys and yet yeah. you were you were insistent i'm going back out i'm going to cover these guys um i have to go and we said yep fine only if you have security only if you have security and you got sent with some of the best security i've ever seen in my life i'm so proud yeah. um what was it like working when you could actually be safe in an antifa it- mob it was amazing. Usually I would have to, gosh, without security, I would go in all black block. I would hide my phone because they attack any phones that they see because they don't want people filming their crimes. It was amazing. I had four huge security guards surrounding me at all times. I was able to report live. I've never been able to do that before because they would be like, oh, try to locate me live. Um, I was able to report live. I was able to do live clips. I was able to tweet. Usually um, I would have to run down an alley to post clips and then come back out to just make sure I was safe. It was incredible. And it makes the world of difference. You honestly cannot report on these situations without security, especially me. I got away with it in 2020. um, And when police were on the ground, it makes a huge difference for reporters. But now when they don't show up, you have to have security. You cannot report on these people without it. And just the amount, like what you said, how often I'm targeted. It was amazing. I mean, they didn't even, well, yeah, they try, you know, would shine, they strobed lights in my face and would try to block my footage from me like filming. But my security prevented anything from happening to me. And if they were there, I would have hands down been attacked. Yeah, I would have said, Katie, you're not allowed to go. <laughs> like yeah. at all, yeah. I would have just said, we're not sending you back out um, because it's not worth you getting hurt to get the news. And I think our viewers at home agree with me there. And you were even able to stop an interview, like some of the Antifa, um, which I thought was interesting because, you know, like that's like next level when you can sort of uh, stick a camera in their face and ask them, like, what are you doing out here um, yeah. to get a little <laughs> snippet inside their brain? You don't get to see that because conservative journalists, it's too dangerous for you to do that. So that's the impact of our viewers contributing to Journalist Defense Fund. You are seeing snippets from Antifa you would never see anywhere else. 
Yeah. Yeah. Good point. And you know, the woman that actually um, gave me that, that small interview, she said that she was raised conservative and hateful like me. And I'm just like, yes, I'm the hateful one just out here trying to report the truth while you guys are like engaging in terrorism. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, but that's like, we are seeing um, an inside scoop of Antifa and this is wh where they are. And like you said earlier, um, Seattle and Portland, they travel back and forth. And something that Elon Musk has done effectively with taking over Twitter is he has blocked their accounts when they try to post riots. And so they have actually, that has actually uh, put a hinder on them organizing, which is why we haven't seen the huge numbers yet. But I think that they're going to try to figure out a, a way around it and um, start mobilizing together again. Yeah, I can't wait for the next summer of love. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Katie. <laughs> Uh, thanks so much for being so brave, um, out there on the streets of Seattle. And thank you to everybody at home. I think I say this on behalf of you for contributing to journalist defense fund to keep not just Katie safe, but all of us, including me when I wander out there. Um, so, uh, thank you so much, uh, Katie and everybody at home and stay with us because we have uh, letters to Ezra unceremoniously read by me after the break. Well, we've come to the portion of the show where we invite your viewer feedback. Unlike the mainstream media, we actually care about what you think about the work that we're doing here at Rebel News, and we love to hear from you. So our first letter is on Ezra's interview with Project Veritas on their crazy undercover Pfizer report, where the Pfizer official lost their mind, tried to lock the door, said he was lying, was screaming. You know what the moral of the story there is? If you are on a date with somebody way out of your league, and maybe you work for Big Pharma or the mainstream media, and they're asking a lot of questions about your job, that's Project Veritas. That's not love. Anyway, let's get into some of these comments. On Project Veritas's Pfizer report, Dr. Gadget writes, Revolution should train up with Project Veritas help to do the same investigative work in Canada. We need it. Now, we've done a fair bit of investigative work, undercover work, but we had to do it out of the country because, um, well, frankly, everybody knows who we are. It's kind of hard to go undercover with the liberal left when I think they probably have our faces on their desks saying, don't talk to these people, don't answer a media request from these people, beware these people. So our team, they could go undercover in Germany, um, but they couldn't. I mean, it's very difficult to go undercover here, but we do know how to, to go undercover. It's just hard for, you know, like this face to do it. Sophia Ostrisky, Sophia, I'm very sorry if I butchered that, writes, I don't think he is physically in danger right now, as long as the story is hyping. But the moment the hype dies out, he very well could be. I think we mean the man in the Project Veritas video who accidentally tried to impress his date by telling him the truth about what they're doing at Pfizer with gain of function and um, creating new variants to create vaccines for those variants. Yeah, as long as everybody's sort of paying attention to that guy, I think he's fine. But yeah, he, well, who knows? You know, there's a lot of died suddenlies for a lot of different reasons. 
And the last one is just general fan mail. It's not necessarily on the Pfizer one. It's a little bit long, but producer Olivia sent it to me to read. It's from Arpain. Guns and AI models share a similar characteristic in that they can be used for both good and bad purposes, depending on the intentions of the user. Just like any tool, the end result is determined by the user. However, it's crucial to note that there are differences in the ways that society regulates these tools. Oh, interesting. Guns have been around for centuries and have been a major tool in wars, self-defense, hunting, and recreation. Despite the various uses, guns have also been responsible for a significant amount of crime and violence. To mitigate the negative impact, laws and regulations have been put in place to restrict access and regulate their usage. For example, background checks, age limits, licensing requirements are some of the measures put in place to ensure the safe and responsible use of firearms. I'm not even sure all of those are necessary, but anyway... It's not my letter. On the other hand, AI models are relatively new. Yeah. And rapidly evolving technology. It frightens me. Unlike guns, there are no established regulations for AI models yet. And the responsibility for their development and usage lies mainly with the creators and users. And the creators are like they're big tech. They're not good people usually. However, companies have policies and guidelines in place to prevent malicious use of their technology and promote its responsible use. In conclusion, while guns and AI share similarities in that they can be used for both good and bad purposes, there are differences in the way society regulates them. While guns have established laws and regulations, the regulation of AI models is still in its early stages, and it's up to society as a whole to ensure the responsible development and usage for the benefit of humanity. Guns do not kill. AI does not kill. Mankind kills. Interesting points made there, and um, I don't want to add too much to that very thoughtful letter. However, I've seen people try to test these AI chatbots on Twitter, although not recently, but, you know, a couple of years ago. And they learned from the ethos, right? And it seems as though no matter what, the chatbot always defaulted to anti-Semitism. Uh, so do with that what you will. Frightening, frightening stuff anyway. That's the show for tonight, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks to everybody behind the scenes who works together to put the show together to make things work so that you have something to watch when you click on the show um, at whatever time you click on it. Thanks to everybody who wrote in, wrote a letter. And thanks to all of you, and I cannot say this enough, who donates to make sure that our journalists are safe out in the field. Uh, as someone who looks out for the journalists and and uh, sort of mentors them. But as a journalist myself, I cannot express my deep gratitude for um, you caring about our journalists as much as we do. And, uh, you know, they're doing important work. As I say, that the mainstream media refuses to for a bunch of different reasons. Sometimes it's because they agree with Antifa and their goals, but also they're just too scared and perhaps their employers don't care about them the way we care about our journalists here at Rebel News. So thank you for your donations at journalistdefensefund.com. It's only possible our work through you. Thank you. And as Ezra always says, keep fighting for freedom. <laughs>